bring in Michael Zremsey to get his thoughts on what's playing out here globally with the central bank activity we've seen overnight. Michael, good morning to you. Uh, Michael's the director of futures at Charles Schwab. Uh, I just wanted to get your thoughts and think we should begin with the ECB. The decision's out. There was some debate this week. They were in a bit of a difficult situation headed into this decision. Michael, did they make the right one? Good morning, Ben. And in my opinion, I think they did make the right one. I mean, let's face it here. The ECB was definitely behind the curve for fighting inflation, especially compared to most of the major central banks, with the exception, obviously, the Bank of Japan was going to be accommodative for longer as well. So no change there as well, too. So, yeah, I think they did make the right decision. They needed to kind of get a little bit of spark into the market, especially mm -hmm. given how weak the euro has mm -hmm. got. I mean, it's we tasted parity once again here, you know, first time in over 20 years as well, too. So they needed to kind of give a good spark to the market here. And so and I think kind of similar to what we saw at the Fed, though, as well, too. There was those leaks there about maybe being more aggressive this meeting here as well, too. And once again, that, that came to pass here. Now, we see that little bit of a pop here in the euro there, but it's still off its highs we've seen this yeah. week as well, too. And I think that's because it was kind of leaked out there as yeah. well, too. So it didn't catch the market completely by surprise. But still, it's, it's good to see that the ECB actually is taking this seriously with inflation running at 8.6% in the Eurozone in June there as well, too. I think their hands were kind of tied here. They had to be more aggressive. You know, uh, reminiscent of the uh, June Wall Street Journal article where we heard, again, that uh, we were going to see a 75 basis point rate hike from the Fed versus 50, which helped the market kind of absorb the more aggressive action, I think. And this week, a little bit different, though, because you had that unattributed source, right? There was no real name associated with the Wall Street Journal article. I remember this person was very closely associated with the Fed, and he just wouldn't put it out there if it wasn't uh, reality. So there was uncertainty in terms of where this really had come from and what it meant ultimately. But I think you really hit the nail on the head in terms of markets telling us uh, that it's being that they did make the right decision, simply put, because it has been relatively contained in terms of price activity. If we could just pull this chart again, just speaking to that point, here's the 30-minute uh, time frame, the rally up that we saw off parity, sideways consolidation since, and we have yet to take out those highs from earlier this week. But, Michael, to that point as well, uh, not getting much of a lift from the decision from the BOJ. They left rates unchanged and no spike there, to say the least. They're down a third of a percent. Not at all. Well, I mean, once again, now the Bank of Japan is, you know, really the outlier here yeah. from all the central banks there as well, too. And uh, even on their statement there, uh, where Kuroda said that, that they are willing to be even more accommodative if necessary in case the economy really starts to slow. So, yes, the Bank of Japan, you know, is going to keep rates at, you know, point negative one, one tenth of a percent here. They're also going to do the unlimited buying of JTBs at a you know, 25 basis points as well, too. So, yes, they just kept their accommodative stance here as well, too. But, you know, they can be as well, too, because inflation's only running about 2.3% right, there right. as well, too. And Japan Which is, is crazy to think about. I mean, how, how totally is it? different than everybody else, exactly. Yeah. You got the BOE calling for 11%, but the BOJ calling for 2%. It just goes to show you how different sectors of the globe are, yeah, you know, running really into deflationary pressure slung. But Japan has also been going through a, you know, deflationary spiral there for yeah. decades as Still well. Still dealing too. with COVID. So, yeah, so exactly right. Yeah. So, yeah, it's a totally different situation there. So you can see why there's the economy there. And the market's, once again, weakening Japanese yen. Now, the thing to watch for the yen, Ben, in my opinion, is and what would I think really kind of 
get the uh, Bank of Japan a little bit nervous there. If you start to see the weakness in the yen really start to accelerate to the downside, I think it's that volatility and that acceleration there that would get them to maybe have to take some actions there that they don't necessarily want. Though. But as long as we see a sell-off and it's relatively orderly there, I, I think the BOJ is actually okay with seeing a little bit weaker yen, just as long as it doesn't get a volatile situation. Okay, uh, as I, uh, you know, kind of sift through it all, it makes me realize how this further solidifies the disparity between what we've seen in terms of uh, the Bank of Japan uh, and uh, Asia in general in terms of the Western world and also how it points to it seems like nobody, none of these central bankers want to be wrong, right? None of them want to be the one that didn't get it right, it seems like. So Christine Lagarde definitely jumping on ship. Michael, we've got uh, just two minutes here left. I wanted to get your thoughts first and foremost on earnings. What stood out over the last couple of days? Well, I think the Tesla earnings, you know, they did beat on uh, earnings for sure, though, they missed a little bit on revenue there. But uh, and I think the market was actually OK with that as mm -hmm. well, too, though their automotive margins are starting to decrease a little bit. So they have a little bit of expense issues there as well, too, little supply chain issues with the chips as well, too. So that's a, a little bit of an overhead as well, too. But I, I think what was also kind of surprising was is their shift in the uh, the, the Bitcoin sale yeah, as for well, sure. too, I think. Yeah, it took a lot of people by surprise there as well to that shift in dynamics there from being, you know, in favor of the, you know, the cryptocurrency there to, you know, having to, you know, liquidate what I think 75% of their holdings as well too. So, I mean, overall, I think it was an okay figure as well too. The market was, a, you know, a little bit choppy after hours there as well too, but overall still a little bit uh, a positive for Tesla. Now, a different story there with uh, United Airlines, though, as well, too, as they missed both the top and bottom line there. And uh, as CEO Scott Kirby said as well, too, they have uh, some issues there that are completely out of their control there yeah. as well, such as high fuel costs uh, if the economy starts to slow. And, of course, they have to cut back in capacity. And not all of that is for their own doing as well, too, as we're seeing uh, – airports around the globe here having staffing issues, security issues there, where they're being forced to cut back flights, even though consumer demand is there for more seats and airlines there. So, was, you know, they have all these headwinds there as well, too. So the fact that they were profitable as well, too, shows you how the strong demand is still for air travel there and traveling as well, too. But, you know, like I said, if you miss your numbers there as well, too, and have these factors beyond control there, the market is punishing the stock. Michael, great. Appreciate you joining us here uh, to take a look here at some of the central bank activity and earnings.